Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. I hope that you're doing well. Uh, I love that song. It has such a great message to it. Uh, change me, and then we'll go out and change the world together one by one. And really, that's what uh, this lesson is about, and that's what this series is about that we're entering into here in the month of October. Before I launch into that, I want to thank Barnabas and Bertha for that great communion message. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your hearts. Um, you guys bring so much joy with you into a room, and I've always noticed that about you, and I appreciate that about you. You know, the name Barnabas means son of encouragement, and you guys are so encouraging. And so thank you for your hearts, and thank you for sharing your hearts uh, with us today. I also want to just welcome everyone here. Uh, we have actually a number of students here. We have, I know, four basketball players from the St. Thomas Aquinas team, correct? There in, in the back. So thank you for coming. Good to have you with us. Uh, there will be a pickup basketball game afterwards. Um, I understand it takes five to make a team, so it'll be the four of them and me against whatever five you want to pull uh, together, okay? Um, but I'm really glad you guys are, are here. Um, and uh, for the rest of you as well that are guests here, uh, glad you were able to come today. What we've been looking at this month is spirituality and just changing, changing spiritually. And uh, we're going to continue that uh, today. Basically, for the next part of the year, we're going to be looking at spirituality, spiritual formation, changing to be like Jesus this month. And then next month, we're going to be looking at Thanksgiving. That's appropriate, right? So we're going to be talking about gratitude. Uh, in the month of November, and then we're going to make the shift, and we're going to be talking about uh, Advent, Christmas, and the coming of Jesus in the month of December. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next uh, three months. And for me, this has been really helpful for me just to focus on spirituality. When I look at, at spirituality or spiritual formation, which basically means uh, trying to become more like Jesus, it really helps me in my life. And so I've been reading books and reading material uh, that I, it just floats my boat spiritually. And I don't know if you have something like that, that something that floats your spiritual boat, but you ought to have something like that in your life. For me, it's study. And so I, I get into these books and they help me. And for you, it might be prayer. It might be uh, getting with other people. Um, but this type of material has helped me to stay faithful 60 plus years and keeps me consistent even today and the times where I feel like I'm dragging a little bit I get back in and I read more Henry Nouwen or I read Richard Rollheiser or I'm reading a book right now called Renovation of the Church kind of a take on Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart and Robert Correa who's a minister out in LA recommended a book on spirituality as if the church mattered and it is such a brilliant book it is so helpful uh, to me. So I hope you have something like that, uh, that just, you know, when you kind of need a, a shot in the arm um, to help you along, that, that it provides that for you. And this definitely provides that for me. So we're going to be looking here at the beginning, we're going to be looking at a verse from the Gospel of John, John 5 verses 1 through 18. And so if you want to turn over there, I'm going to read the whole thing, and I'm going to read it actually from the New Revised Standard Version. And then we'll talk about it a little bit, and that'll be our lesson for today. In verse 1 it says, And after this there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there was a pool called in the Hebrew, Bethsaida, which has five porticos. I'll stop here, and I just want us to look at uh, the five porticos. Archaeologists have found this pool, and you can visit it today. It's in the northern part of Jerusalem, in the old city of Jerusalem. I've been there many times. It does have five porticos. It is um, by the what was known as the Sheep Gate. Today it's called St. Stephen's Gate. Um, but whenever I go there, I read this story, and I also visualize this story happening right there at that pool. And in the first century, this pool did exist, and there were people that were sick that were placed beside this pool, hope, hoping for healing. And that's what you see in, in verse 3. I'll read on now. In these, um, in these lay many ill, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Now, in your mind, you can kind of picture that scene of all of those um, people who are in need around this pool. And this one person in the midst of all of them who's been there for almost four decades, um, just waiting and hoping to be healed. And it's good to enter the picture of the gospel when you're reading the gospel. Verse 6, it goes on. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The old man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, stand up, take your mat and walk. At once the man was made well and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now make note of that. And we're going to discuss that in a moment. And then we're going to discuss what happens next as well. What happens next is the second half of verse 9 into verse 10. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, The man who made me well said to me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take it up and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. We'll be talking about that specific verse. It goes on and says, The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is still working and I also am working. For the reason the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but also called God his father, thereby making himself equal to God. <clears throat> okay, let's think about this story for a few minutes here. And I wanna point out two points that you can see in this story. First, the first point I wanna make is, is that Jesus in verse 6 asked this man a very important question. This man had been ill for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? Now, at first glance, that might seem like a silly question, right? I mean, he's been, he's been sick for 38 years, almost four decades, longer than some of you have been alive. Not me, but longer than some of you have been alive. And Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? 
But you know what? That's a really good question to ask. Because the fact is, is that not everybody wants to be made well. And especially if we translate this into thinking about things spiritually. Not everyone wants to think about their spiritual lives. And not everyone wants to be made well spiritually. And also, when you live with something for four decades, you can become hopeless. And you can have the thought that, well, it's impossible anyway. So why are you even asking me that? And you can get better, right? When you've, when you've had something for four decades, you can get better. And so he might have wanted to even lash out. Well, of course I want to get well. That's why I'm by this pool every day for the therapeutic benefits of this pool. But I can't even get into it. Uh, and I've been trying for 38 years. So how dare you? I mean, he could have had that attitude. We don't know ex his exact response. But you can see that the question was a good question. Because maybe his bitterness held him back. Maybe his lack of hope held him back. Maybe uh, just being stuck in life kept, would have kept him from wanting to get well. And you know, it is possible to get stuck in life, right? And it is possible to get stuck spiritually, where you just feel like, I don't know how to change. And I don't know how to get better. And I'm trying all these things, and it seems like nothing's working. And you can even evaluate your past year. This is actually a good time of the year to start evaluating how has the year gone for me? And you can reflect over the year and you can ask yourself, you know, how has 2023 been for me spiritually in order to get ready for next year? And you can look and you can see, well, it's been okay or it's been good or, no, I'm trending upward. But the fact is, is that, and this is what I want to, just the point I want to make. There's, there, I don't know that anyone trends upward all the time in their spiritual lives. It's usually a cycle. It's usually a cycle where we do well and then we go down and we do well again and it becomes cyclical of how we're doing spiritually. And therefore Jesus enters the picture in our lives and says, do you want to be well? Do you want to grow spiritually? And honestly, that is the first question that has to be answered before any change ever comes in life. Uh, you, I mean, you could talk about addiction. You could talk about spiritual lives. You could talk about getting over attitudes. Or you could talk about your own physical health. It, it, in any part of our life where we have an issue, the first question that has to be answered is, do I want this? Am I willing to put what it's going to take into having this change in my life? And so this is a really good question where at, at, at first when you look at it, ah, oh, that's a silly. No, it's a good question. It's not a silly question. And that's why Jesus asked it, right? Jesus wouldn't ask a silly question. It's a good question because we get stuck. We just do. And sometimes that's because of hurt. Sometimes that's because of the past. Sometimes that's because of our nature. Honestly, just our nature. We get stuck. And so when we find those times, what are we going to do? <clears throat> you know, it's impossible to live in life without getting hurt. 
that's just a part of life. I was reading the small paperback book this week, and I, I read it often, actually. And I, in October, I turn towards reading books that I've read over and over and really like. Like, I read a lot of Edgar Allan Poe, okay, in October. But <laughs> Ray Radbury wrote this book. I think it might, there it is right there. Something, this, something Wicked This Way Comes. It's a small little paperback. Many people read it when they're in high school. Um, and in this, uh, it's really a book about, I'm going to use a deep word here, theological word. It's a book about theodicy, which means the problem of evil. That's what the book is really about. Something wicked, something evil, this way comes. And in this small town, when this wicked thing comes through um, the means of a circus coming into town, how will the people react? And who are going, you know, who's going to uh, be swept into the evil and then who's going to oppose the evil, which is kind of a life, I mean, that's, that's the question of humanity, right? Um, and so Bradbury does a great job exploring this through this uh, avenue of looking at this small town here. But in the story, there's a little section that I read uh, just a couple of days ago that I thought was profound. And it's about a mother who enters the son of her bedroom. And, and this boy is one of, the, um, one of the protagonists who's going to try to oppose the evil in the town. But she says this to her boy. It's a conversation between a mother and her middle school age boy at bedtime, okay? She says, Jim, you awake? He answers, hi, mom. And then it says, a door opened and now shut. He felt her weight on the bed. I love that line to me. <laughs> That's just good writing, right? It's not like she sat on the bed. He felt her weight on the bed. Man, I wish I could write like that. Anyway, okay, getting a little nerdy, but that's okay. You guys know I'm a nerd about all of this. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the affirmation over there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we know you're a nerd about that. <laughs> and we love you anyway. Amen. Uh, <laughs> then it says, why, Jim, your hands are like ice. You, should have the, you shouldn't have the windows so high. Mind your health. He actually had the windows so high to look out for the evil and to feel the change in the storm that was coming. And he just says, sure. And she says, don't say sure that way. You don't know until you've had three children and lost all but one. That's deep. And then she says, Jim says back to her, he says, never going to have any. She says, you just say that. I know it. I know everything. She waited a moment. What do you know? No use making more people. People die. His voice was very calm and quiet and almost sad. That's everything? Almost everything. You're here, Jim. If you weren't, I would have given up a long time ago. And then he says, Mom, a long silence. Can you remember Dad's face? Do I look like him? And then she said, the day you go away is the day he leaves forever. It's a beautiful line, too. Instead of just saying yes, amen. <laughs> so, so good. Um, <laughs> who's going away? Why, just lying there, Jim, you run so fast. Oh, this is beautiful, too. I'm going to start over. This is the mother talking to her son. 
why just lying there, Jim? You run so fast. I never saw anyone move so much, just sleeping. Promise me, Jim, wherever you go and come back, bring lots of kids. Let them run wild. Let me spoil them someday. And Jim says, I'm never going to own anything that can hurt me. And then she asks, you going to collect rocks, Jim? No, someday you've got to be hurt. Jim answers, no, I don't. He looked at her. Her face had been hit a long time ago. The bruises had never gone from around her eyes. You'll live and get hurt, she said, in the dark. But when it's time, tell me. Say goodbye, otherwise I might not let you go. Wouldn't that be terrible to just grab a hold? But I, I love this scene, and I love when the mother says, no, someday you've got to be hurt. Because that's life, right? And when you've lived life a little while, you realize you cannot live life without hurt. The question becomes, what are we going to do with that hurt? And I think that's what Jesus is asking this man by the pool. Do you want to be well? Are you ready to get over your pain? Are you ready to get over your hurt? Are you ready to get over your bitterness? Are you ready to get over your hopelessness? Do you want to be well? And the fact is, Jesus is asking all of us that right now. In our lives, do we want to be well? Because that question has to be answered before any change or progress will happen in our lives. Do we want to be well? The fact is, is that sometimes we live in spiritual sickness for years and years without doing the little things that we could do to draw on the power of Jesus for spiritual healing. Jesus says, he says that he can cause the old person to go and a new person to come. Those are the words of Jesus. Do we believe that? I'm sure that many of us, we know addicts who have gone years and years without getting well, without beating that addiction, without learning to surrender and, how to, and, and figuring out how to live. But the first step in, in, in addiction courses, I'll say the first step is always to admit you have a problem. Do you want to be well? And so this is a heart question for all of us. Jesus is saying, look at your heart and ask yourself this question and be honest with yourself. Do you want to be well? Ultimately, the man does desire hearing, healing so that Jesus heals the man. But the story doesn't stop there. There's more that happens after this initial healing because the fact is, is that after Jesus heals us that first time, he has to heal us over and over and over again because hurt doesn't stop happening in our lives. And we get at different places and sometimes we get stuck. And so I just want to add one caveat to Jesus healing us and to Jesus saying the new person is coming, the old person is going. And that is when the old person goes, the old person still lingers in the shadows. He or she does. The old person, our old way of being, our, uh, our nature and nurture that has been so much a part of our lives just doesn't vanish overnight, but stays there. And there are times where this old person will lure its ugly head and uh, spoil things for us. 
I don't, this is a time of year where sometimes people turn and watch scary movies, you know? Um, I used to do that a lot until I realized, you know, Steve, this scares you too much. Just stop. And so now I read, I read scary stuff and I can handle that better. Um, but let me give you a little tip about scary movies. This is, this is not really a spoiler alert because it's just how scary movies are made. In any scary movie that you watch, when you think the monster has died, okay? You think the monster has finally met its fated end, that monster is not really dead, okay? That monster is good for at least one more scare, one more leaping out at you, okay? One more getting the audience to scream. Just know that about scary movies, but also know that about your life. Because if you think, oh, that's just in the past and will always stay in the past, then that's not really life. And uh, this is why we need Jesus so much. It's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and to, to comfort us and to exhort us and to help us because that old person likes to lurk in the shadows. You know the story, and I think I have a slide for this, the story of of Jacob wrestling the angel. You know that story from the Old Testament? It's a great story. But Jacob, Jacob wrestles this angel, and he's wrestling the angel for a blessing, and they wrestle through the night, and Jacob finally wins, and the angel blesses Jacob. But you know what happens to Jacob? Jacob's hip socket is pushed out of place, and, and he walks away with a limp. And the sense of the story is, is that he limped for the rest of his life. Because even when you're healed, even when you get the blessing from God, you're still going to have a limp. Because that's the humanity in us. And that's why we need Jesus so much. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why we need each other. Because all of us, in some way, we walk with a limp. The things that dogged us before we were Christians, they're still there lurking in the shadows. It might be pride and arrogance. It might be lust and impurity. It might be anger and vengefulness. It might be pessimism and a morose spirit. It might be anxiety and worry. Some of these habits have been trained into our lives over the years, and they're very difficult to break. Other, others are attitudes or dispositions that come from years and years of living with people that have impacted us negatively. And it's really difficult to break out of those cycles. These are chains that aren't easily broken. So we need Jesus. I personally, I have a difficulty with stress in my life. And yet I find the stress is always at the door. Stress is always lurking in the shadows. I get anxious. I get fretful. I start thinking about things. I don't know if you're that way, but I start thinking about things and I can't turn them off. There's no off switch. And so I start thinking about how can I, how can I help here? How can I, how can I manage this? How can I, what can I say here? Oh, that's the wrong thing to say. Oh, I should say this. And I just go in circles and circles and circles and it becomes really stressful. There was a night this week where I didn't fall asleep until two o'clock in the morning because I couldn't turn my brain off. I just, I tried, I went to bed, I got up, I went back to bed, I got up again, 
and I just couldn't go to sleep. And there was another morning this week that I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, okay? And it was right after the night where I went to bed at 2 a.m. I woke up at 4.30 and couldn't go back to sleep. And so I tried, I rolled over, I tried again, I rolled over, and finally I just realized, Steve, you're not sleeping, just get up. Get up and, and do your best to give this to God. I woke up at 4.30 this morning, and you know, it's, it takes a toll on you. And this is cause because of stress and anxiety in my life. I'm just, uh, part of it is I think my nature, I'm not built to handle it very well. And th I think part of it is, is, is nurture. I think, I mean, I love my dad so much. My dad is my hero, but he had ulcers because he couldn't handle stress in his life. And he'd never taught me how to handle stress in my life. And so it just, it's there. But I have to realize it's there and I have to do my best to depend on Jesus. And you could say, but Steve, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And I answer, thank you for that. <laughs> I know that scripture's there. I get that. But, you know, just hearing that, be anxious for nothing, doesn't help when you are anxious. And I've had to learn over the years, okay, I'll get through this, but it's going to take me a little time to process what's in front of me. Um, knowing how, knowing what you, knowing what the Bible says it ought to be like doesn't necessarily mean it is that way in your life. And we need to cut a break with each other because we all walk with a limp, right? There's none of us that doesn't walk with a limp. Only one person ever walked the earth without a limp, and that's Jesus. Only one person had an upward trajectory that led to his ascension to heaven without any downward trajectory, and that's Jesus. And so we need to cut each other some slack here and realize that all of us are going through things. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. And we are limping in different ways. We're broken in different areas. I walk with a limp, and I know that in some way we all do. My struggle isn't necessarily your struggle, and your struggle isn't necessarily my struggle, but we all have struggles, and there are times when we're on top of the world, and there are times when the world's on top of us. But this is why we need Jesus. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. This is why we need God's grace, and this is why we need each other's grace because we all walk with a limp. I've learned that when I'm anxious, there are some things that help me. I go on walks in the woods, and so you'll find me in the woods quite often. <laughs> I exercise, I stop and breathe. If I can focus, which sometimes anxiety hurts my focus, if I can focus, I read. Um, I've learned what helps, meditation helps. It, learns, it, it helps me to contemplate on God's goodness and blessings. And it helps me to get with people who relieve the stress, people who make me laugh, people who lighten the load. This helps. But you know, some of this is counterintuitive because when you have stress and anxiety, at least for me, 
my nature is I want to fix it. I want to get in there and I just want to fix it and I want to, uh, uh, you know, work on it and I want it just all to be settled, which starts actually this uh, cycle in my head that's hard to get over. And so I have to learn, no, no, Steve, go take a walk in the woods. You can't control it anyway. It's too big for you. It's too big for any one person. This is a Jesus thing. Let Jesus work on it. Because it's, it, you aren't going to be able to fix this yourself. And I've had to learn over the years to do that. I'm reading this book, Renovation of the Church. I mentioned that books like this help me. And these authors, they write, do the opposite of what, I think I have a slide, there we go, thank you. Do the opposite of what you want to do or feel like doing. The controlling person is to put themselves in situations where someone else calls the shots. The self-absorbed person has to shut your pie hole and listen. The isolated loner needs relationships. The socialite needs solitude. The person drowning in shame needs to show up. The angry person needs to underreact. Sometimes you have to do the opposite of what seems, what feels natural. And so this is all under this idea of do you want to be made well? Now very quickly, I'll turn to the second part of the story, which is in verses 13 and 14. And I think I have a slide for this. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, You've been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. After the healing, Jesus introduces himself to the man. And part of staying well is knowing Jesus. Okay, but there's more. And honestly, this second part of the story is scarier than the first part. Do you want to be made well? Well, they have a conversation about that. Ultimately, man says, yes, I do. He gets healing. But then Jesus comes back to him. Because it's not enough for Jesus just to heal us once. Jesus wants to make sure that in a whole way we're really working on becoming more spiritual. And we're working on becoming more like him. So it's not a matter of just a one-time healing. But Jesus comes back to him and uh, it says, and this is the warning here, and this is intense. See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Wow. What can be worse than being sick for 38 years? Almost four decades of his life. He's been sick, and now Jesus says, or you will be worse. So Jesus is focusing him on, this is not a one-time fix. And when we're baptized into Christ, we might think that, oh, this is a one-time fix, until we learn, whoops, that wasn't a one-time fix. We have to keep at it. We have to keep at thinking like Jesus, living like Jesus, loving Jesus, wanting to imitate Jesus, walking with the Holy Spirit, thinking about the Holy Spirit, keeping the Holy Spirit in our life, and that's the warning here. So Jesus says, this is the beginning of the health in your life. This is the beginning for us thinking about it spiritually, of spiritual health. And that's grace. In Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, Paul talks about grace. I'll read part of this. You were dead through your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them, the passions of the flesh, doing the will of the flesh and senses, 
We were by nature children of wrath like everyone else, but God. And that's two of the most beautiful words right there in Scripture. This is the way it was in your life, but God. God enters the picture. But God, who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And I'll stop right there. The journey doesn't end with being saved by grace. It begins with being saved by grace. Jesus says to the, more, to the man, do not sin anymore or something worse happen, might happen to you. And so we are saved by grace. We find spiritual healing, but we have to keep working on this. Paul talks about a similar idea in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. He says here, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And so now Paul is like, you're saved by grace. Now he says, live the life. Live the life that's in front of you. And Jesus is doing the same thing with this man. I'm going to heal you now. Live the life. And he says it to each of us. You can be healed, but live the life. You might feel like the man who's sitting by the pool of Bethesda, or Bethesda, or sometimes it's pronounced Bethesda. That isn't a comfortable place to be, sitting by that pool. But you know what? If there's no discomfort in our lives, then there's no possibility of being healed. Because if you think you have it all together, what are you going to be healed of? Or what are you going to be healed from? We need to look at our lives and we need to see, ah, these are areas where I need Jesus a little bit more in my life. You know, there was a year about two years ago, just over two years ago, where I couldn't put any pressure on my left knee. And so it, it just hurt every time I, I walked on it. Um, and so I went to the doctor, and the doctor I did an x-ray and did a scan, and then the doctor said, here, Steve, look at this, and showed me. He said, see all these little lines right here? These are what we call microfractures. And if you look at this bone right here going around your knee, you've got microfractures all in that. It hurts more on the left side because there are more microfractures right there. And so you've got to realize that these will heal in time, but it's going to take some time. He said, I'm going to give you a shot. The shot will help with the pain, but the shot's not going to help you to heal. Instead, the shot, the shot might, make it, might mask the pain, and so you feel like, oh, my knee's okay, and you keep walking on it, and then you'll just cause these uh, little stress fractures to get more intense. And so what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to stay off that knee. You're going to have to stop going on your walks. You're going to have to stop exercising using that knee you're gonna to have to take care of that knee and that to me was like um, and he said if you don't do that you're gonna end up with a knee replacement that's what we're gonna to have to do we're gonna to have to replace that knee so to me that was like you know Jesus saying okay I'm gonna heal you but go and sin no more <laughs> or you're gonna end up in a worse spot and that was the doctor you know waking me up telling me that and so I walked around here, and some of you guys remember, I walked around here with a cane for a while. I walked around with a cane to keep the pressure off of this left knee. 
And some of you remember it, and I remember it because I remember some of you making fun of me uh, for it. And I will never forget that, okay? I, I could point you out right now, but oh, I'm, so, I'm trying not to. I'm trying really hard not to be vindictive because vengeance is mine, says the Lord, you know? Uh, <laughs> But you know who you are. Squirm in your seat right now. Uh, you know who you are. Um, but I had to listen to what the doctor said. And I was very, very serious about it. Um, and so for all of us, we need to realize that Jesus is giving us the advice here. It wasn't the advice just to that man, but it's advice to all of us. Go and sin no more or you're going to end up in a worse state than you already were. We've got to work with Jesus on these things in our lives. All of us walk with a limp. All of us have things that need to change in our lives. And the way to go about initiating change is through Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, and through the community that God has given us. So my closeout will simply be this, choose your path carefully. Choose Jesus. Choose to live in Jesus and with Jesus. Don't fall for cheap substitutes, like the substitute of a legalistic checklist. I mean, I keep a to-do list that helps me move through the week without getting overwhelmed. But my spiritual life and my relationship with Jesus is more, more, much more organic than a checklist. That's just where I am in life. My relationship with Jesus doesn't count on a checklist. My, my, my prayers to God doesn't really count on a checklist anymore. Now I converse with God in my prayers. But if you need a checklist right now, that's fine. I'm saying at some point in life, move beyond that. You know, there are some things in life that you just get to the point where you don't need a checklist about them. Like, for example, eating, right? <laughs> I mean, how many of us put on our daily checklist? I need to have lunch today, or I need to eat supper today. It's just more organic than that. And we can get to the point in our spiritual lives where prayer and Bible study and thinking about God, it's more organic than that. Another thing we don't need a checklist for is breathing. How many of us in our daily checklist put, I need to breathe? You know, I, I literally, in the middle of the day, I forget to breathe. No, your body takes over, your body helps you with that. I think another thing on, that I don't have to put on a checklist is grandkids. When the grandkids come over, you just drop everything. You just drop everything and you enjoy the time with the grandkids. So I don't write on my, on my to-do list in the week, I don't write Bradley and Tyler because it's just more organic to me than that. And I'm saying in our lives, let's get to that point where Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, it's just more organic. Choose Jesus. My relationship with Jesus is my life. I read the Bible because I love reading the Bible as much as I love a good dessert. And you can ask some people that watch me eat dessert how much I love a good dessert. It's just an organic thing. I love contemplating on Jesus because without contemplation, I feel thirsty for God. I like space in my life because, with, because that space leads me to Jesus. I'm talking about heart work here. I'm talking about uh, taking our hearts uh, to Jesus so that Jesus can work on our hearts. 
If our hearts become more like Jesus, then we make more Christ-like choices. And those choices will ultimately become more routine and will feel like living out those right choices. The limp will always be there, but we learn to manage life with the limp. We don't learn that on our own, but we learn that by surrendering to God and surrendering to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to work. In Galatians 5, verse 25, Paul wrote this. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And the Spirit is okay if we limp along behind Him. Just try to keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes changes happen. Let's walk with the Spirit. Let's stay close to Jesus. And let's allow Jesus to heal our hurt. Amen.